Lord, you are good and your mercy endure forever. If you believe that, go ahead and put your hands together.
Thank you, Jesus.
Say hello. 
Everybody know he's great. Oh, can I get somebody to worship with me? How great you are. Come on, let's give God another hand clap of praise. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father God, you are great. And we thank you that this is your day. Father, we come into your presence with thanksgiving. We enter your courts with praise. And we just thank you, Father God, for another great day just to be in your presence. Lord, we lift up today our president, our vice president, every elected and appointed official. We thank you, Father God, for our governor and mayors in our city and in our state here in Texas. Father, we thank and praise you that you said in your word that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, Father God. So we thank you, Father God, for righteous men and women being in place of leadership and governing, Father. If there be any wicked, Father God, we thank you that you're the one that will remove them, Father God. So we place our trust in you. We thank you for our community. We thank you for the people within our city. We thank you that this city, Houston, is overrun and overtaken by your gospel of grace, Father. And we just give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that will come and how you will use this ministry, this place, to be a beacon of your love and your grace. Father, we thank you for every person, every family that's a part of this ministry, Lord. We thank you that they are taught of you and great is their peace. We declare that they have an assurance that the blood of Jesus has already secured every favor and every blessing, every promise that you have. I declare in the name of Jesus that the world is theirs according to the promise that you gave to Abraham, Father God. And we declare and decree that we walk in victory in Jesus' name. Now we lift up this service today, Father, and we thank you. We thank you, Father God, for what you're going to do, for the revelation that you're going to bring. We thank you for the 10 years that this church has been growing and developing and becoming all that you would want it to be. We thank you for the first eight years, Father God, of being able to uh, begin as Dr. Dollar and Pastor Taffy envisioned their satellite churches. Father, we thank you for the word that we constantly received growing us up to the point that we could walk on our own. And we thank you for these two years, Father God, that we have stood up as your ministry in Houston and now are walking out what you have called us to do. We thank you that this is only the beginning. We thank you, Father God, that there, there are many victories ahead of us. And we're careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for the victory that comes as a result of all of this. It is in Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Come on, let's give God another hand clap of praise. Welcome to World Changers Church Houston. We're so glad that you made it. Happy 10-year anniversary. Amen. 10 years ago, um, Dr. Dollar and Pastor Taffy spoke in one of our services in Atlanta and said, we got to get this Houston church uh, going and started. 
he had been talking about it actually about two years before that, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, my wife, Melissa, and I, we heard him say it the first time, the second time, the fifth time, the sixth time. And it wasn't that we didn't listen to God. We were pastoring the Villa Ricker Church, uh, which is, uh, was called Carrollton, Georgia, back then. And uh, we were like, somebody need to listen to God because we doing what we're supposed to do. These jo other jokers need to step up, you know. Uh, and man, he kept saying it and kept saying it. And uh, we just believe in uh, honoring our man and woman of God and obviously honoring God. But we hadn't heard it was time to go uh, until actually a buddy of mine came and said, what do you think about y'all going down there to Houston? I was like, God didn't tell me that. And I knew in my heart it was the right thing to do. And so I said, well, let me go talk to Melissa about it. And I went home. We were obviously still in Atlanta, Georgia at that time. And I went home. I said, hey, babe, you know, Melissa's from Houston, from uh, Rosenberg, Texas. And uh, I said, what do you think about us going and pastoring and doing the World Changes Church in Houston for Dr. Dodd and Pastor Taffy? And without hesitation, she said, yep, we're supposed to do it. Now, you got to understand, when Melissa and I met at Oral Roberts University uh, years before, uh, in 1994, she had talked about never really returning home. And for, I think, 13 years at that point or something like that, we only came to visit, and I loved Houston and everything like that, but, it, 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 you know, there wasn't a particular calling to come back here at that time. And so when she said it, I said, oh, my goodness. She just said, yes, just I thought I was going to get a little fight on it. And so we, we literally, I called Pastor Ken Terry that next day, and I said, hey, Pastor looking for somebody to do that church? He said, yeah. I said, well, we'll do it if Pastor's okay with it. And he said, what y'all going to do with y'all church here? I said, I don't know. I just feel like God has said to, to do that. And do you know, God worked everything out. Two weeks later, we were here opening World Changers Church Houston. And... God said then that this would be a beacon of light in Houston. He said that many ministers, leaders, uh, folks would come to this church so that he could then train them and use them in his ministry. And there was a particular word, one of the particular words he gave me back then, and if I was thinking, I'd have bought my little book he gave that I wrote down at that time. Uh, he said, facilitate the gifts. And I was like, what, what does that mean? And now, being here 10 years later, I know exactly what he's talking about. It's the gifts inside of each and every one of you. It's the grace of God that has been put on you. Uh, he told me this was going to be a training ground for his pastors, ministers, and leaders. Uh, that's why we didn't worry too much about having these huge numbers and all of that. Uh, this, this is, uh, that'll come. But this, this is about you. And this is about the grace that God has put on the inside of you. This is about the dreams and the visions and the ministry that he's given you that you are supposed to then go out and do. Some of you would do it right here, up under this umbrella. Uh, some of you would do it connected with this ministry. But our job is to help you understand grace so that you can be empowered to change, and then to help you develop and grow in your ministerial gift, and then to send you out to do all that he's called you to do. And I'm talking about no matter your age, amen. I'm talking about no matter your age, no matter your gender, your matter, no matter your ethnicity. There are going to be children and teens that come out of here that are going to go into their schools and their communities and do what God has called them to do. There are going to be 70 and 80-year-olds that are going to come out of here and doing exactly what God has called them to do. And I, I need my older generation to understand that. God's not done with you yet. He, he, didn't, he didn't bring you to this place where you understand this gospel of grace now and then look back and say, but it's too late. No, he has many, many, many things for you to do.
many, many, many things for you to do. And now, now this place is getting to become what it was always called to be. It was always Dr. Dollar and Pastor Taffy's vision to be able to release a church and say, now you have local pastors there. They'll teach you and, and preach, and they'll be what they call a branch of the main church so that you guys can minister to the specific needs in your specific congregation. And two years ago, we were honored and blessed to be able to be just that. And I'm so proud of you guys for uh, trusting in the vision trusting in the transition. We're talking about growth and change right now. How many of you guys know that when things change, that, that's growth? Now, some people don't like change. They get afraid of change because they associate change with loss. But that's actually not true. That's a deception from the enemy. When things change by God, there's growth. I mean, thank God you're not the infant you used to be. Thank God you're not the woman you used to be, the man you used to be. Thank God that you changed and therefore you grew and therefore you became better. Somebody say better. Amen. And we've become a better church now for that world outside those doors. We've understood that we are indeed the church, not this beautiful building and campus we got, but we are the church. And we're understanding now who we are in him and because of his grace that we're also capable, able, and qualified to go out and minister to them, not by our behavior, but by the behavior of Jesus. And as a result of that, we're able to go out and tell the liar, God loves you. We're able to go out and tell the thief, God loves you. We're able to go out and tell the homosexual, God loves you. We're able to go out and tell uh, 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 the, the young woman who got pregnant outside of marriage, God loves you and I love you too. And your issue is no different in the eyes of God than mine's. Because everybody got an issue. I'll say it again. Because everybody got, had, and still got another one <laughs> an issue we're all working on renewing our minds in various areas and, and then it reflects in our behavior and then when you get when you knock one thing out thanks to the Holy Spirit there's that other thing and then another thing and then another thing until the Lord returns you will still be being perfected and so this is a church this is a church that's, that's done with the, how can I say it, the, the images and the pretenses and all that stuff. I was just talking to one of our leaders at our Christmas party last night. I said, I'm so glad we don't have that other structure of hierarchy where the pastor sits on top and everybody else is trying to hustle to get closer or to that point. No, it's more of a, a round table type thing where we, yeah, we're in charge, we're the leaders, we're the pastors, but you're just as valuable. Your voice matters just as much. We're not God. I said, we're not God. See, some of y'all don't even know how to take that. What, what do he say? I'm saying we're not God. Oh, yeah, we hear from him. We have a call. We have a responsibility as the pastors here. But we need you to understand that you're just as important. Why is that important? So that as you grow up and develop, you don't grow up and develop spiritually with a complex. It's like what you do in your household. If you, if you make your kids feel like nothing as they grow up, they have this complex and this insecurity that's bred into them. And I think we've done that in the church spiritually to a lot of our sons and daughters. And it's time for that to stop. I don't know who this is for. I, I wouldn't even plan on talking about this. 
But this is a place, and this has become a place where we love, where we care. And as we do that at home, somebody say at home, it'll become second nature to do it when we go out. And that's how we share the love of God with others. So, you know, I guess this isn't a place for people who don't want love, who don't want care, who don't want revelation and truth by the word, and who don't want to grow. But if you want grace, if you want to change, I mean not true change, y'all. I'm not talking about that fake change. If you really want to be better, if you really want to be different than what you were, if you really want to look in that mirror and see the reflection of Jesus, then this is the place for you. And we got a no drama policy. I'm going to say that out loud and get that on record. We got a no drama policy. Some of y'all already know. Don't come and talking crazy to me about somebody else. What the word said, if you got audit against the brother, what you supposed to do? Go talk to that brother. So I'm just going to help you do what the word said. You got, Michael, you got a problem with Reggie? Reggie, come in real quick. <laughs> Tell him what you told me. I'm going to let y'all work that out. I'll be back in a minute. The key to clarity is exposure. The key to change is exposure. See, once you take the drama out of stuff and once, you know, you take all the, the, the false pretense out of stuff, all of a sudden you can actually have church. All of a sudden you can actually come and worship together. All of a sudden you can accept each other as you are. It's just like family. How many of y'all got some folks in your family that's a little special? If your hand ain't up, you're the special one, just so you know. Amen. Tell me, no, I don't, I don't, never, not my family. You know what? But you accept each other as you are. And you grow together and you develop together and you learn together and you love together. And then before you know it, the family's better. And for some of you, what I'm talking about is healing. This is healing you right now because you, you've been beat up in church so much because you didn't wear the dress or you didn't wear the suit or because you didn't have the tie on because your hair was a certain way or God forbid you didn't wear the stockings. I remember Melissa and I were youth pastors at one church and they tried to get my wife to wear the stockings. I said, you don't understand Melissa Ann Collins ain't about to wear no stockings because you're about to see Melissa Ann Esparza come out and y'all better leave her alone about them stockings. You ain't going to sit up on the front row and, wear, and not wear no stockings. She said, I won't sit up on the front row. I don't care where I sit. I said, y'all leave her alone about that. I went and talked to the pastor of the church. I said, listen, you need to tell your ministers to leave my wife alone about these stockings. Now, if you got men that can't keep themselves together, that's got to do with them. But if, if, if some lotion legs messing you up in church, then that's, that's your problem, not hers. Amen. How you, how you can't be around lotion legs? What is that about? But we're a place of love. <laughs> a place of understanding. And uh, we're excited about what God is doing and what he's done. I tell people all the time we're a young, uh, older church. Like I said, we're 10 years old, but we're kind of like two years old now because when Pastor blesses out, he said, okay, y'all got it. He said, those, those are your sheep. He said, I'm here if you need me. 
He said, but I can't make your mistakes for you. You guys as a congregation got to grow together. You got to learn together. You got to love together. Uh, you got to minister together. And thank God for a man and woman of God who have vision and then who trust us with their vision in this city. And I, I need you to understand that. At the end of the day, everything that we're doing rises and falls off of that vision. As we proclaim Jesus the Christ as the head of the church and the manifested word of God, our goal is to teach the word of God with simplicity and understanding so that it may be applied into our everyday lives in a practical and effective manner, thereby being transformed into world changers, changing our immediate world and all those with whom we come into contact, ultimately making a mark that cannot be erased. We are one church in many locations. That is who we are. That is who we will always be. Did you hear what I said? That is who we are. That is who we will always be. Well, when the vision gonna change, when you when you find another church, it's not gonna change. Uh, this 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 is the vision for the house, and you got married to a vision, not to a person, not to a pastor. Did you hear what I said? Not to a person, not to a pastor. Because if Jesus doesn't return before me and my wife go home to be with the Lord much, 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 much later on, this vision will continue. It will continue. Who knows, one of your kids may be pastoring one day. But it will continue. And I need you to understand what we're called to do here. I, I appreciate you continue to, to stand for those who can. And, uh, but if you need to sit, feel free to. <laughs> But I need you to understand the vision of this ministry also doesn't end with just Houston. The vision is to have at least 10 churches in every state. At least in every state. And the churches that are there are responsible now to launch churches out of them and we carry that same responsibility. That's why I'll speak to my minister, pastor, and leader friends who are in the room right now. Don't let the enemy bewitch you and deceive you and think just because you're not currently being used in the gift that you have at the moment that it's, this is not the place for you. That's a lie. He'll try to run you off before you even get going. Why are you saying that? I've seen it happen to too many of my friends who have been a part of I've been a part of World Changes now for 18 years, and I've seen that happen to too many people. And I'm like, oh, you were supposed to probably be the pastor of that church. You were probably supposed to be the music minister at that one. You were probably supposed to be the youth pastor at that one. So stick to it. Somebody say stick to it. Because God has called you here for a reason. And that reason comes when God is ready. That's why I told you that story at the beginning. Two weeks, all of a sudden, we're fully walking in what God had intended years before that. Two weeks. What, what, what if God did that to you in two weeks from now? Picked you up, moved you to another state, paid for everything, made it happen. Are you ready? Are you ready? You ain't got to get ready if you stay ready. Are you ready? <laughs> you've been asking him, you've been praying, you've been believing. What if he did what he said he was going to do in two weeks? Are you ready? Well, this is a place that is a part of your readiness process so you just continue to come show up plug in and let this place be what God has called it to be for you could be your place of nourishment could be your hospital uh, definitely your training ground let it be all that it needs to be and don't run from it don't run from him 
I'll say this last thing and then I'm supposed to get started with this message. Amen. <laughs> but ministry challenges you. It changes you. And you should always find yourself meeting yourself face-to-face -face in ministry. What do I mean by that? Anytime you're serving God, you're serving love. And that means selfishness can't be a part of that. So you're going to meet yourself in the process. I don't want to go up there and do that, Lord. I don't, that's too early. They get up there too early. I, I know you told me to join the praise team and the band, but they'd be up there too early. You're meeting yourself. I know you told me to go talk to the pastors about this and this and this and offering this, this, and this uh, for my gifting and grace, but, but you know, I got hurt at that last place. You're meeting yourself. And ministry will help you overcome you so that you can be more like him. I mean, isn't that what Jesus had to do? He understood. I got to overcome me. I got I to gotta be over me. That's why I believe when he got baptized by John and God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, he helped Jesus understand who he was. He helped him understand his identity and his security was in his identity. And then Satan came right after that when he went into the wilderness and several times, if thou be, if thou be, if thou be the son of God. He overcame himself in that wilderness and that set the pace for his ministry. And then he was in a, a garden and then self tried to come up again. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Overcoming you is the key to success in what God has called you to do. So receive the challenge and just say, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. When, whenever you want me to do it, I'll do it. And watch success just begin to happen in your life. Watch doors just begin to open because now God sees that I have a mature son or a mature daughter who can handle what I'm about to put into their hands. So just raise your hands with me for a minute. I'll just be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If you receive that, raise your hands. Father, I just speak right now the manifestation of your success in each and every life for those who are now ready and willing to listen and follow your voice in what you have called them to do. I thank you that as we move into 2020, the year of clarity, that you will show them beyond a shadow of a doubt all that you have set up for them to do. And every step that they take will be ordered by you. And I thank you that every step produces evidence. Holy Spirit, continue to lead us, continue to guide us, continue to show us the way. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for the victory that we have as a result. And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. If you receive that and agree with that, say amen. 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 Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you. And we receive all that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Praise God. If you need a communion element, raise your hands. We're going to seal everything we just prayed and said with communion. Band, y'all don't go too far. Hallelujah. How I many know we serve a good God? This communion represents the body and the blood of Jesus.
This wafer represents specifically his body. The word says, by his stripes we were what? Now it says we were healed. And because we were, we are. It didn't say will be, did it? So for all my people coughing and all my people stiffing, guess what? You're healed. But nobody, you know, I'm going to my throat. Yeah, but you're healed. You're one belief away from manifestation. You're, you're healed. Because for you not to be healed would mean that his body didn't work. And I'm just not prepared to say that. I'm not prepared to believe that. So I want you to take that wafer and I want you to say, I am healed. I'm whole because of what Christ did. In Jesus' name, you may eat. And that juice represents his blood. That song says, what can wash away my sin? Not a thing, but the blood of Jesus. I love the fact that it didn't say he covers your sin. You remember back in the Old Testament days, they would do sacrifices and they covered sin. Well, when you put a cover over a mattress, is the mattress still there? When you put a cover over, over a stain on a mattress, is the stain still there? Well, it says his blood washes, it doesn't cover. That means it is no longer there. That means it's erased. That means he doesn't remember it. All the stuff that you did, even the stuff, believe it or not, that you're doing and the stuff that you will do. Somebody says, what? I mean, were you alive when he was on the cross? His blood washes sins, past, present, and future. That's called grace. Now, that doesn't give us an excuse to sin. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But if I'm saved, then I have accepted the fact that I'm no longer a sinner. Sin has no more dominion in your life. You're free. You're delivered. You're healed and you're whole. All because of this blood. So take that cup and raise it up. Father, we thank and praise you for this blood, this blood that qualifies us. Not our sweat, not our blood, but your blood, Jesus, does the job. And so we thank you that our sins are forgiven once and for all. And we receive that on today. We believe that on today. And as we drink, we do it in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, you may drink. So, Father God, we just accept right now this great gift of Jesus that you gave to us. And as we come today, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place to move up and down every aisle, in and out of every road. We thank you. As you touch our lives, heal us, deliver us, set us free, make us whole. If there's anything wrong in any of our lives, we thank you that it is made right by the light and the revelation and the might of your word. Every demon, every devil that is assigned to our lives is set to flight by this truth. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Come on, give God one more hand clap of praise. Now I'm excited to come before you today. I'm going to attempt to do something that I haven't done here, which is preach a quick message. <laughs> for, for, 
but we're going to let God do what he does. Amen? Amen. Somebody say this with me. Say, it's grace that changes me. Now, we've been talking about this, and, and, and to make it super plain, that communion that you just took, before the body and blood of Jesus, according to the word of God, men were sinners, correct? And I mean, when I say men, I mean mankind. Is that correct? But after his blood and body were made available, we had the opportunity to be what we call born again. Is that true? So is it fair to say that before Jesus went up on the cross, there really wasn't a such thing as a Christian? Is that correct? I mean, Abraham wasn't a Christian. David wasn't a Christian. Moses wasn't a Christian. These were people who definitely believed God, but Christ hadn't died, so they didn't have what you and I have. Is that true? We have an advantage. Even over Moses, even over Abraham, even over David. And that is because of Christ, we have an opportunity to live at a level that they never could. And I need you to understand today what that actually is. Somebody say this with me, I'm changed by grace. Grace changes us according to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 because grace saves us. Go over there with me real quick, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And I want to try to take my time in these first few minutes so that we're on the same page. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 8 and then we'll go to 9. I'm going to read it out to King James first. It says, for by what? Grace are you what? Saved, saved but it's through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And then I need you to see this next part is so important. It says, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift. Now, why is that important? That's important because before Christ went up on the, Jesus went up on the cross, people tried to be right with God by the law. That was the 613 commandments that God gave Moses on that mountain and said, listen, if you do these things, you will be blessed. Somebody say, if, if then. If. In these days, it's also known as a quid pro quo. <laughs> but if then, it's actually the same thing, though. If you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. And before Christ went up on the, Jesus went up on the cross, that's how man attempted to be right with God was we had to behave a certain way, and then he would behave a certain way. But if we did not behave good, then we got his bad. But if you behave good, then you were supposed to get his blessing or his good. Is that correct? But here comes this scripture where Paul is preaching to the church of Ephesus in the New Testament after Jesus had went up on the cross after his blood was shed, after his body went up there, and he gave us an opportunity to be born again. Once man had the opportunity to be born again, it was a whole new playing field. Under the same good God, but Jesus made up all the difference. And it says, for by grace are you saved. Saved from what? Saved from that old way. 
But it's through faith. How do I get saved? Through believing in what Jesus did. And then he clarifies it's not of yourselves. He's saying it's not by your own works. It's not by you trying to do those 613 laws. It's not by you trying to live perfectly. You get this because you don't deserve it. You get it because I love you. And that was a whole new way of thinking. That was a whole new way of living. Everybody was like, what? First of all, for the Gentiles, the people who were not Jewish, they didn't really even have a, uh, a major covenant, if you will, uh, to live by. So they were just kind of messed up. But for the Jewish folk, they at least had the law. And so here comes Jesus telling everybody, I'm the way to God. Not that law, I'm the way. And then here comes Paul after Jesus saying, Jesus, who is grace, and I'll show you that in a minute, he's the way. Not the law, not your behavior, not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. What do I have to do to benefit from a gift? There are two things. You said the second one. And I got to believe it. Got to receive it and believe it. We were uh, passing around Christmas gifts last night in the white elephant part of our gift given. And, and if you believe that you're a part of this, you'll receive the gift that's coming your way. But if I don't believe that I'm supposed to participate because you're supposed to participate if you bought a gift. But if I don't believe I should participate, then I won't receive anything, will I? Well, I didn't bring a gift, so I can't participate. But if I bought a gift, then yeah, then I, then I feel like, yeah, I can, I can participate. The only thing you got to bring to the table to participate in this is your belief that God loves you. Amen. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave you Jesus. Why? Ultimately, so you can be saved. But if you don't believe that God loves you, you won't get in the line for your gift. And that's why the enemy works overtime to try to make Christians, Christians and non-Christians believe God does not love you. He's trying to get across a message to you that you're disqualified. You're disqualified because you smoke weed. Just look straight ahead. Nobody knows you. <laughs> you're disqualified because you're homosexual. You're disqualified because you lie. You're disqualified because you cheat on your taxes. You're disqualified uh, because uh, you lie by omission. You don't tell the full truth. You're disqualified. God's mad at you because you got an issue. God's upset with you and therefore separated from you because you make mistakes. And so there are many people who stay on the outside of God's gift-giving process because they don't believe. But last I checked, uh, guys, get the uh, New Living Translation for me. Uh, last I checked, this is a gift from him. This is a gift from him. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Do you believe it is the question. Verse 9. Salvation, just in case we were wondering what we were talking about, is not a reward. Why are you emphasizing this so much? Because I literally have been saved for 40 years and it's only been the last 10 or 15 that I understood this. 
And I don't want you to go through the same process I've gone through any longer. I don't want your kids to go through that, thinking that we have to earn salvation. And some of you are understanding this a little better, but I need you to understand this applies to everything regarding his blessings. Can we talk about it real quick? This regards everything regarding his blessings. I'll just say it. You don't have to give a $1,000 or $10,000 offering to be blessed. We do give because we're blessed. There's nothing wrong with giving. But when I am trying to give to get, that's the quid pro quo we're talking about. If I, what, you're trying to buy stuff from God, you can't afford what he got for you. That's what you need to understand. How arrogant is it of me to think I can afford his blessing? How arrogant is it of me to think I can afford above all I can ask or think? Your little gift may be minimalizing his, uh, his return to you. I wonder sometimes if God is like, well, if that's all they think I'm going to give them, then that's what I'm going to give them. They don't gave me $1,000, I'm going to give them $1,000 worth. Of I had the million-dollar blessing over here for them, but they wanted $1,000. So what, what, if, what if that's how it actually worked? I'm going to give you this for that, since you're into this for that system. But he has a system that says, I'm going to give you everything I want you to have just because I love you and just because I'm good. It's called my grace. You don't deserve it. You can never earn it. Think about it with your kids. Screwed up all year long. Christmas come around and you still get them something. How come? Because you love them. You know you, you, you and your husband cancel Christmas. But on December 20th, you in Target and Walmart. I can't do that to them, you know. They're going to get them something. What is that? That's, your, that's mercy. That's grace. Spouse been into it for the last six months. I ain't buying her nothing. December 23rd. <laughs> You up in coals. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me see that one. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go get that one for her. <laughs> Why? Because you love them. And it's, it's you just being gracious. They didn't deserve it. They, don't earn, they didn't earn it, but they're getting it. If we being men know how to give good gifts, why do we look at God and think he's conditional? When we then say he's unconditional love. We got to stop being schizophrenic. God's not schizophrenic. It'll be us sometimes. He loved me, but then he don't. He loved me, he loved me not. He loved me, he loved me not. He loves you. I said he loves you. And salva your salvation, your deliverance, your healing, your, your, your safety, your protection, all of that is non-negotiable with God. He gave it to you just because he's good, not because you're good. So none of us can boast about this. None of us can boast about this. Can't take credit for it, <laughs> can't, can't earn it, don't deserve it. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So uh, I, I've been changed, you've been changed. We are saved, we are good to go with God. Is that correct? And I want you to understand that while we are good to go, while all is well, if you're like me, you still experience sometimes temptations, though, to sin. Now, some of y'all ain't like me. I'm just talking about me. Amen. Some of y'all don't figure it out. Jesus has shown up at, your, at the end of your bed. 
and y'all had an experience and you don't make mistakes no more. But for the rest of us, there's some type of change that we're going after because we know how we should be, but sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. And while God provided us Jesus as the way for us to change in our spirits, our soul still needs some changing. Can I get a witness? <laughs> and I've looked at this thing and figured out there's kind of these three levels of change in the life of us as believers. And the first one is that spiritual change, which we just talked about. It's being born again, and you get that by grace. But then the second one is the soul change. So my eternal life has been secured. Say that with me. My eternal life, my eternal life is, secure. is secure. That's that spirit change. I'm going to heaven. I'm good with God. Eternal life's good to go. Jesus did that. That's why we come to church. Thank you, Jesus. Because you're thanking him because if it wasn't from him, we'd all be going straight to hell. Some of us, real quick. But thank God for Jesus. But while we're on earth, there's a second change that needs to take place. And the Bible talks about it in Romans chapter 12. Go there with me real quick. Romans 12, we'll start with verse 1, and then we'll read straight through to 2. Romans 12, 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, Paul is writing, to give your what? Bodies. Now, my body only does whatever my mind tells it to. Amen? Scripture with that is, uh, I think it's Proverbs 23, 7, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You will be what you think. Say that with me. I am what I think. I do what I think. Let's say it another way together. I do what I want to do. One more time. This is therapeutic for some of us. Amen. I do what I want to do. I say what I want to say. This for me. I eat what I want to eat. Don't be blaming on the circumstances. Ooh, they got on my nerves today. But, but, but whatever our lives have become, it's, it's based on what we wanted. Amen? That's why some of us, we got to change our want-tos. But how many guys have struggled sometimes changing your want-tos? Well, you're about to find out how to get some help with that. He says, and so, dear brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that we just talked about that he did for you. Now, what did, now just to be clear, what did he do for you? What's the, what's the awesome thing he did for you for your spirit? He sent Jesus because of grace, who is grace, and he saved you. How many of you guys know that's a pretty big deal? A lot of people read this, and they'll read it because of all he's done for you financially. Because of all he's done for you in healing or, or, or materialistic type things. And all that's true. All that is a result of that. But start with the first thing that he did for you that was pretty amazing. Gave you access to all that through Jesus. That should be our motivation 
to want to serve them with these bodies. That's what the scripture is saying. Let's go to verse 2. But then verse 2 tells you how to do this. It says, let them, what, what's the them? It's talking about your body, right? Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. So that's why you need to understand that the objective of grace, of the objective of salvation is not sinning and doing what you want to do. It's living right in holiness. Amen? Amen. But then he tells you kind of how to do that. It says the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Living right is worshiping him. Verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but here's where your help is. You wanted to change the way you think, but let who? Woo, thank God he's still helping me. He helped me get saved by giving me Jesus because he loved me. But he didn't leave me at step one of my transformation process. Here he is showing up and taking responsibility for step two. He said, I'll transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, we just said that I can do stuff with my body based on how I think. So if I begin to let him change the way I think and I begin to think God's way, then how am I going to begin to act? I'm going to begin to act God's way. So how do I live holy? I let God transform my thinking. Let's keep going. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 11. We're going to read a few scriptures here, so hang, out, hang, hang with me on this one. So my, my physical change, which is the third step in that change, my everyday living, how I behave, how I act, only will change if my thinking changes. But God says, I'll transform the way you think if you let me. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to do what? Equip God's people to do his work. So by the way, when you come to the church, our responsibility is not just to help you feel good. Our responsibility is to equip you. Can I give you a quick truth on that real quick? You want to know why he said that he didn't say the responsibility was to coddle you or to, you know, to help you feel better and all that? Not that we don't want to help you feel better and everything. It's because the true believer already understands it all as well. They already understand. I got all the money I need. I got all the healing I need. I got everything I need because Jesus provided that for me. So pastor so-and-so, there's nothing you can give me for that. I already got everything. But what I do need is I need some help being equipped to do what God has called me to do. That's actually the purpose of showing up. So don't be mad at me when that's what we do. Okay, so <laughs> verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and the knowledge, or sorry, and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. So he's saying, as you're continually being equipped, you're going to grow up. You're going to change. You're going to start understanding who Jesus really was, therefore who you are, because you're a joint heir with who? Uh -huh, you're not a joint heir of Christ. You're a joint heir with Christ. If you and me co-own the business together, and it's 50-50, who got more rights, you or me? 
We're equal. If I'm a co-heir with Jesus, some people would just freak them out. I didn't write the Bible, but if I'm a co-heir with Jesus, then I am And we are co-heirs of who? Who's his daddy? Then who's your daddy? I'm that baby's pappy. Okay, never got it. Sorry. But that's what you need to remind yourself. Who do you need to write on your mirror? Who you be writing scriptures on? Who's your daddy? Just remind yourself. I'm a co-heir of Jesus. That means he doesn't get any more than I get. And then you can look at the Bible and see what Jesus had. You can see how he walked on this earth. You can see how he took care of his taxes and bills. You can see how he walked in power and healing. And you can see that, oh, he trusted God. He listened to the Holy Spirit, and I got what he got. How many believers are walking around beneath the privilege that they truly have? Jesus didn't have financial problems. Jesus didn't have protection problems. They used to try to attack him. He would, like, walk right through them. He spoke, I am, when they came to arrest him, and they all fell down on the ground. Somebody say, can't touch this. You, you need to understand who you are. Uh, go back. I forgot where I was at, okay? <laughs> this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete. You see where, we, where we're going? You might, you, might be, you might be right here, but you're going to measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's where you're headed. That's what you're changing into. That's what you're transforming into. That's what God's working on you for. You got somewhere you're supposed to be. You got a way he wants you to be, but you got to let him finish working on you. Somebody say, he ain't done with me yet. And, and, and that's what that means. That means he is developing you, molding you into everything he needs you to be, but it's going to require your mind to be transformed into, I now know who Jesus is, and therefore I now know who I am. When I can see him, I'll see me. When I can see who he is in his word, I'll start to see who I am in this world. Because he was who he was here on earth. Get this thing out of your head that, oh, I'll be this when I get to heaven. You're going to be something totally different when you get to heaven. This is us here on earth. If not, he wasted the words when he said greater works will you do? Greater works where? Right here. You're promised, just even under the promises God gave Abraham, which, which applies to you, you're promised the world. And the sinners are getting to your goods before you because you're still struggling with who you are. You're still working on becoming the complete standard of Christ. I declare today that you measure up. Uh, verse 14, let's keep moving. Then we will no longer be immature like children. You don't give children access to dangerous things, do you? You don't give children access to stuff they can't handle, do you? But for the mature, you place the keys in their hands. 
We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to do what? Trick us. Trick us with what? With lies. So clever, they sound like the truth. Yeah, you know, what Pastor Archie said was true, you know, but. You need to get your big butt out the way and just stick to the word. But I don't know the way I was taught. You was taught wrong. I had to accept that. I've been in a lot of good churches. And they taught the best they could, and I had, to, I had to conclude when I started actually reading the word for myself and studying it for myself, I was taught wrong. And until we conclude that, you're going to be battling with these clever things where somebody did the best they could, but it was incomplete, I'll say. If I am a joint heir with Christ, what is it that I still need? What you're struggling with is, but I don't have it. That's because you're still changing. Changing what? The way you think. It's like we can understand this in every other practical part of our lives. It's like imagine if you just got on a new job and you're in the first 30, 60, or 90 days. You're not going to have all the understanding you need to do that job, are you? You may have ability, but you're not going to have all the understanding. So all the promotion, all the increase, all of that hasn't been afforded to you just yet. Why? Because you're still learning. You're still in your probationary period. But there will come a time that everything that you need, you'll be equipped with to now operate successfully. Why can we understand that with the world, but we can't understand that spiritually? You still got the job. You still got the job. You're just in a process. You're still a believer. God still loves you. You're just in a process. So don't begin to doubt the truth of the word just because you haven't seen the full manifestation yet. Instead, we'll speak truth and love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head in the body of the church. Verse uh, 16. Uh, switch over to the easy to read ver version real quick for these next couple of scriptures. Because I want you to see this ERV version. It breaks it down even more. It says, and the whole body depends on him all the parts of the body are joined and held together with each part doing its own work. Now, remember, keep this in context. Context is king when it comes to the scriptures. He's talking about, you know, the reason why you go to church is so that you can be equipped and so that you can do what God has called you to do. Everybody got a job. Did you hear what I said? Everybody got a job. Some people freaked out in the summer when I began to talk about the fact of this is going to be a church that goes out to the community and serves. I'll just tell you right now, we're going to start us a second service, and the second service ain't going to be for more people to come sit in here. The second service is going to be, we're going to go out there. See, some of y'all ain't ready for that. For, for what? For the sinners. We don't need to keep coming here talking to each other all the time. You already got saved. You already got grace. Sure, we'll come in here that first service and equip us and, and build us up, but then the second one's going to be, we're going to go out there. Somebody say every Sunday. Every Sunday? Forever? Forever? Yes, forever, ever. 
Outreach ain't supposed to be just a one-team Saturday thing. Thank God for a saddle of them going out and doing what they're doing. They're going to be out there canvassing the areas we're going to go in advance, but then we, the church, is going to go out to the sick, to the broken, to the ones who need to hear what I'm talking about. Some of y'all, why are you preaching this over and over again? Because I need you to get it in you because you're going to preach it out there. I'm not preaching everywhere all the time. I'm po- my job is to equip you to go do it. When are we going to have a vision service for next year? You just had it. <laughs> we'll talk about that more, though. All the parts of the body are joined together, held together, each part doing its own work. Verse 17. The, this causes the whole body to grow and to be stronger in love. I have something for the Lord to tell you. I warn you, don't continue living like those who don't what? Those who don't what? He said, people who don't believe their thoughts are worth nothing. Now, he's talking to a church. He said, don't continue to live. He said, you're believers, but some people are living like unbelievers. He said, if you don't believe, it causes your thoughts to be worthless. And if your thoughts are wrong, you won't have understanding. Do you see that? They have no understanding. And therefore, they know nothing. Why would somebody have worthless thoughts? Why would somebody not have understanding? Why would somebody not know anything? And we just concluded that if I'm going to think like God, I have to allow God to change my thinking, right? I have to listen to him when he says change, and I got to do what he says, right? But if I don't really believe that, if I don't really believe God loves me, if I don't really believe it's going to work, if I don't really believe I'm worthy, I'll end up with all these negative thoughts, but then he breaks down why we have these thoughts, and it's the next set of three words, because they refuse to listen. I don't want to go to church. I'm too sleepy. I don't want to turn on that stream. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I don't, want to, I don't feel like listening to that. Well, then, unfortunately, God still, I mean, fortunately, God still loves you, but unfortunately, you've set yourself up to not be able to change. They refuse to listen, and just in case you don't believe what I'm saying, so they cannot have the life that God gives. Here he is handing out the gifts, but I don't want to listen to grace. I don't want to listen to he loves me. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, and all those I don't want is equal what you don't believe, so you've removed yourself from the line where he's passing out all the blessing. The blessing, that's your blessing right there. But you ain't laid hold to it, not because you're a horrible person. It's because you don't believe. And because you don't believe, you're not listening. You're not listening to the Holy Spirit. You're not listening to God trying to transform you. We're still on that second level of transformation. And therefore, physically, his will is not manifesting in your life. And that's what actually grieves God. What actually grieves God is not your horrible behavior because Jesus took care of that problem. What grieves God is not seeing the blessing that he set up for your life, not seeing the gifts that he set up for your life taking effect in your life. That makes a good dad sad. I know that breaks my heart, man. When, I, when I've set everything up for my, my two daughters and my son and, and then they don't get the full benefit of it because, you know, they don't believe it was there or they don't listen to what I tell them to do. 
I'm not tripping because of the bad behavior. I'm like, but you don't understand. It's, it's right here for you. And that's how God is with his children. He's like, it's right here for you. I love you. All you need to do. Somebody said, what's the message today? What's in it for me? Just, my, just listen to him. If you just trust him enough that you wake up on tomorrow and say, Lord, I believe you love me. Now I want you to help change me. Show me. Help me understand so that I will know what to do today. And I promise you, if you do that, he will show up again and again and again. Why, Archie? Because his promise is that he's going to never leave you. He will never forsake you. He always got your back. He's always looking out for you. All you got to do is make a choice today that I trust him enough that I'm going to listen to him. I'm trying to tell you today that your life is good. I'm trying to tell you today that all is well. All you got to do is make a choice today that to go beyond what you're seeing, go beyond what you're hearing, go beyond what you're feeling, get out of that carnal nature and get over into the spirit that says, I believe God. And if you can do that, you have no choice but to have the good life that God gives. You got to understand there's something called the law of reciprocal. So everything in this scripture is true, but the opposite is true too. They have understanding. They know everything because they chose to listen. So they can now have the life that God gives. That's the promise for each and every one of us if we choose today to believe God. Come on, somebody with me, say, I choose to believe him. Say, I choose to listen to him. He loves me. And you make a choice today to believe that and to receive that and to remind yourself of that and all you have to look forward to now is growth change and manifestation. Why? Because you serve a good God. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. Somebody say, you done? Yep. It don't, it don't take all day for God to get his point across. God loves you. That, that's enough for you to chew on, trust me right now. Come on back out Wednesday night. We'll pick it right up from there, and then we'll hit it again on Sunday. But I, I will, we will, Pastor Melissa and I will see the manifestation of grace in effect in every one of your lives. We will see you equipped, well able to do all that God has you to do. We will see increase in growth and promotion in each, each and every one of your lives. We won't rest until it's done. So do me a favor right where you're at. I want you to just raise your hands. Father God, right now, we declare, we decree the blessing, the gift, the promise evident in each and every one of these, your children's lives. You are no respecter of person. These are co-heirs with Jesus equally receiving all that you've given him. But not for selfish use, but to serve your purpose in this world. So we claim the world today. We claim the world today. We claim victory over the world today by what Jesus has already done. Nothing's too big for you. 
I declare right now that every problem is solved. Every sickness is healed. Every favor is granted. I thank you, Lord, that you're changing policies, rules, laws, and regulations on these, your children's behalf, to benefit them. We don't see defeat, only victory. And we believe and we receive this. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Come on, give God another hand clap of praise. Now it's time to give. If you want to uh, complete your worship, amen? If you want to complete your worship, somebody say, why we give then? If I'm already blessed, why we give? You got to go look back at Abraham. Abraham sowed a tenth after a great victory. He had taken like 318 of his servants out and fought these two kingdoms. And the Bible says that afterwards, after the victory, actually it actually says after the slaughter, he came back and then he gave God a tenth of what he had. That was the first tithe that was recorded. And I think it's interesting that that tithe was recorded well before there was a law to tithe. The tithing law in Malachi was actually for the children of Israel. Go look at Malachi 1.1. It clearly says to the children of Israel. So that has nothing to do with you and I because we don't live under that law. We're already blessed. We give to worship God. We present ourselves like what we just read that money represents a part of you people would do it back in those days they, they use cattle and they use they, someday gold and silver and all that type of stuff if you got gold and silver sure we'll take it but they present it of themselves because of the fact Abraham did it because he was blessed so choose to listen to the Holy Spirit today and so based off of that the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, not somebody who gives grudgingly or out of necessity, not somebody who says, I need this from God, so I'm going to give him this. We're back to the quid pro quo again. I'm trying to buy something from God. You don't need to. You're already blessed. You know what? This is important. This is important for the person that says, I just had to pay my bills, and I, all I got is like literally like a quarter in my pocket. That quarter all of a sudden is not going to be qualified, they think. And God says, no, you give from your heart. If that's what you got, then that's what you sow. Now, some people don't want to preach that to you because they got a budget to meet. We got a budget just like everybody else, but we trust God. I said we trust God. And we trust your growth process in him because the Holy Spirit knows what we all need. And if we do what we just learned, if we listen to him, there won't be any problem at all. So you trust God when you sow today. You trust God when you give, not just today, but every day. The Bible talks about already having made up in your mind before you show up what you're going to sow. So, so going is this religious way of giving. We, we're taking time to explain this more and more so that people get out of this uh, trapped way of thinking that if I don't give something, that's why this is happening in my life. That's to say you're back under a curse system. That's to say the blood didn't work. You're good. Say that with me. I'm good. I'm happy. I'm joyous. I, have, I don't have a money problem. I'm not under the curse. And you know, the more we've been, been sharing this, we've been, it's almost been all year we've been talking about it, but the more we've been sharing this, the, the offerings and, and stuff have increased because now people are free to sow. 
Because, by the way, last thing, if God only blesses the tithe, then Jesus wouldn't pay attention to the widow's mite or two mites. That, that wasn't a tithe, but it was enough to stop Jesus in his tracks and say she gave more than everybody else. Why? He was honoring the heart of worship, the heart that says, I trust you, the heart that says, I believe. So sow with that heart today. Uh, if you're given by text, uh, I think, guys, there should be a different slide. Oh, is that the one today? Okay. So if you're giving by text, uh, give that way. Uh, I guess next week, we have a new number that we're going to be using. So pay close attention. It's a much easier way to give uh, by text. So pay co close attention to that next week. So this will be the last week we use this one. Uh, but if you're ready to give, uh, take those phones or offerings or whatever, or, or just you, and raise them up. And Father, we just declare that the seed that is sown has everything in it to bring forth the harvest. These are gifts that are cheerful today. These are gifts that trust you. These are gifts that honor and believe you. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that we already have. We give today because we are blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Ushers, you may serve the people. And as you do that, is Sister Cheryl around here, uh, Davis? She is? Okay, can you grab her real quick? Tell her to bring that uh, thing with her. That, yeah. <clears throat> Amen. How many of y'all were blessed by that today? Yeah. yeah. Sure, you have that, uh, that other stuff? Yeah. I just want to thank my lovely wife. Uh, she has been such a blessing to the church. And... This is just an honor for her, uh, just uh, because of how special she is. Uh, she planned, along with Jennifer and some other uh, team members, the party yesterday. But that was just one of the many things that she does behind the scenes. Some of you guys know that uh, she and I oversee and run the uh, Global Missions Program for our entire ministry around the world. Um, so she helps me with global missions uh, she's our daycare director and she's also the co-owner the director with me she's the co-pastor here uh, she's my wife she's my girlfriend she's my lover she's my baby's mama uh, she's all of that too which takes a lot she's a friend of many of y'all and i mean she's just all of that and uh she's an example of what a woman of god is supposed to be she didn't even want to marry a preacher uh, she made that clear to me. I ain't marrying no preacher. I was like, well, you gonna marry me. So, uh, but I just think it's important to give honor where honor is due, not just because she's my wife, but she's more than a first lady. This is your co-pastor, Melissa Collins. Um, and she is amazing. So uh, I think we ought to stand to our feet and just give her one more hand clap for how awesome she has been. Amen. So now that I've thoroughly embarrassed her, I already know she's not going to say anything. Um, so if you get a chance, just hug her neck, though, and let her know how much you love her. Because, man, we've come a long way from the no-stocking days and the uh, people hating on stuff and everything like that. But, uh, you know, I'll say this because, you know, sometimes it's hard to say it yourself. But people don't really understand what women in ministry go through a lot. 
Uh, and man, just the pressure of what you gotta be and what, what you are and then all of a sudden what you're not. And we're an equal opportunity ministry in the sense that the same anointing I got, she got. Probably and then some. Uh, and I, I thank God for Pastor Taffy leading the way in biblical equality and helping us understand how to properly appreciate women in ministry, uh, that they are just as important to God as we men are, amen? Amen. So husbands, take an extra thing today, love on your wife, uh, you know, and just let her know how precious she is and how valuable she is uh, to you because she already is that to God. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God for that. Amen. Thank you all so much. Uh, they have a quick presentation for you guys, and then we'll be dismissed. So really quickly, y'all can be seated. It's not, not going to be long. Um, we just want to recognize those as we're celebrating our 10th anniversary, we just want to recognize those that have been here with us for the full 10 years. So if that's you, please stand up if you're here. I know a couple of you are. Amen. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Amen. So if y'all come forward, we just have a certificate for you all. Please come forward because we want to recognize you. <clears throat> Brother Reg and Sister Laura. So come on down. Miss Angela, Miss Catherine, Miss Dorothy. Hey man, give them Cheryl another Leon, hand, guys. Mr. Daniel. If y'all wouldn't mind just lining up right here. And I want you guys to understand that the people that stand in front of you, uh, this is what faithfulness looks like. Um, these are people who heard from God back when this church first began uh, and said, Lord, I trust you. I trust you with my heart. I trust you with my life. I trust the vision. I trust Dr. Donna and Pastor Taffy and now Pastor Archie and Pastor Melissa. Uh, and through the thick and thin, through the up and the down, um, these are your big brothers and sisters, if you will, in the Lord who said, Lord, I'm going to keep doing what you've called me to do. And I've seen the blessing operate in each and every one of their lives as a result of them continuing to be faithful to his call um, and, and continue to trust him in everything they're being called to do. So I want you to do me a favor and stretch your hands towards them, and we're just going to pray over them uh, real quick. Father, we just thank and praise you for, again, these are your precious precious sheep, Father. I thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you how they all have served and, continu and continue to serve your will in this ministry, Father. I thank you for the prayers. I thank you for the hands. I thank you for the all the hours, Father God, and not asking for nothing, Lord. I thank and praise you that their faithfulness is honored by you. And Lord, may we all learn and may we all grow by their example. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Thank you guys so much again. We love y'all. Want to come and just, before you go, let me hug your neck real quick. <laughs> amen. Y'all come on back. Come on back. I want to give y'all a hug. Cheryl, Tangela, Catherine, Dorothy. <laughs> amen. Thank y'all. Thank you. Um, just let me give some really uh, real quick instructions. We have some refreshments out there, so you're more than welcome to grab and go, or you can stay and talk. Either way, so uh, we have some refreshments to you. Uh, commemorate the celebration. And you are dismissed. Is that everybody? Yep. Uh, stand to your feet. One, one, just one, just one second, one second. Oh. So just want to interrupt one second. Okay. Just want to take a moment just to present our pastors with a gift. Amen. Oh, we have pastors that um, that didn't know we were going to do this, 
So we want to give them a staycation, amen? So we have pastors, as you see their heart, pastors that not only love God, but love this ministry. And it's an honor to serve under them. I, I don't want to get emotional. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's an honor to serve a man and woman. I know we serve God, but it's an honor to serve a man and woman that serves us. Amen? So, give unconditionally, Pastor Archie, Pastor Melissa, on behalf of this congregation. Amen? Those that love you, we appreciate you all. So this is just a small token. We want to give you rest. Amen? Amen. So on behalf of the church, you guys give them an awesome, awesome round of applause. Amen. Amen. We love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I do have something to say because it's not about me. <laughs> it's about you. And uh, Archie said it. Um, we just want to say thank you for everybody that's been here 10 years, five years, two years, one year, brand new visiting today. Thank you, thank you, thank you because the vision of this church and what Pastor Dollar and Pastor Taffy um, had in their mind so many years ago could not be possible without you. So please give yourself a round of applause. High five each other. <laughs> Amen. Because it's your choice. Because you make the choice weekly to come, to serve, to give of your time, to be away from your family, to drag your kids along. Trust me, we know all those stories. We have all those stories. I mean, I tell people with parents, bring your kids, bring your play pins. We've got, pho we've got phones now. We've got headphones. I used to drag our kids all the time with blankets, pillows, uh, DVD players, wherever we were, they were in a corner watching some movie or they were in a corner or in an office sleeping at 10 o'clock at night because we were doing ministry. So thank you for everything that you have given to us. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for loving on us. And not only Archie and I, but our kids. Thank you. Thank you. Let me just say thank you for not having any expectations of our kids because they're kids. Thank you for letting them be who they are. Thank you for letting them figure out who they are and what they want to do. Because as you all know, preacher's kids have it hard. We have certain expectations of them. The congregation has certain expectations. And y'all never, ever once in 10 years have brought anything up or thrown anything in their faces so thank you from the bottom of our hearts that alone is just so precious to me so thank you amen appreciate it amen praise god well thank y'all we love y'all for real um and we appreciate y'all for real so we appreciate y'all so much we're gonna get you out of here early today amen <laughs> amen so just go ahead and raise your hands where you're at father god we thank and praise you for this awesome day we thank you uh, for many 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 more like it we thank you for this family that you've brought together father here in houston texas father we thank you uh as we grow we will never lose sight of you and lord we're careful to give you all the glory honor, and praise we thank you father god for your goodness for your favor and for your mercy and Lord, we even thank you for the blessing that you've been on the Houston Texans, Lord. We thank you that that's going to continue today. And we give you all the glory and praise for your victory on the field. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. You are dismissed. <laughs>